passages, the title is, there are two titles, one is, having begun in the spirit, will you now be made perfect in the flesh? It's a question that Paul addresses the Galatians. And let me repeat that question once again to you. Having begun in the spirit, will you now be made perfect by the flesh? It's a rhetorical question. Or there's another title to it, and I like that title. It's what Abraham told uh, God many, many years ago. He said, Oh, that Ishmael might live. <laughs> oh, that Ishmael might live. That's a plea of Abraham to God. Oh, that Ishmael might live. So God might actually reply to Abraham by saying what Paul said to him. Having begun in the spirit, will you now be made perfect by your flesh? He might. Uh, he didn't say that, but that's a nice reply to that question. Oh, that Ishmael might love. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. These are some of the tough passages in the Bible. We don't generally go through it in the Bible study, but I'm going to, you're going to attempt to study that together as a group. It's more like on a personal meditation because it involves a lot of going back and forth. But we're going to attempt to do it as a group because there's a powerful truth in this. If we can get it, man, everything that Jesus' ministry was all about, people getting this truth, you know? And let's go, go to Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. Can somebody read that? The foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ is clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, or by hearing of faith? Are you foolish? Have you begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law? or by hearing of faith. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore now, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations are blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Okay, let me conclude that, that last verse. We look at it, verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed with? Abraham. It's not just Abraham. No, what is that of faith, Abraham? That's King James? Faithful Abraham. Anybody says believing Abraham? Yes. Believing Abraham. Okay. I like the verse. I like the title of Abraham. Believing Abraham. Believing Abraham. Abraham believing Abraham. There's nothing about Abraham except believing. Okay? Just remember that. Just get that. So those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Somebody can read the next verse from verse 10 to verse 14. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because... The righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He, re he redeemed us in order 
that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Okay. Let's read the last verse. Verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. So uh, the power, the, uh, the key words out there is Jesus died. So if anybody asks you why did Jesus die, your answer should be very simple. Jesus died to get us saved? No. Jesus died so that the blessing of Abraham shall now come upon the Gentiles. Remember that. Not taught too often the blessing of Abraham. We're going to study about it very powerfully today. The blessing Jesus died so that the blessing of Abraham should come upon the Gentiles. What was so special about the blessing of Abraham? What was in about the blessing of Abraham? We'll study about that. So let somebody read verses 15 to 18. Somebody else. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed, where the promise is made, he does not say, and to seeds, as many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say, that the law which was 430 years later cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Okay, two, two, uh, two important things. Is. Number one, there are two covenants out here. The covenant of the blessing of Abraham and the covenant of the law. You see that thing? So he's saying, Paul is saying, to whom was the promise and the blessing given? Was it given to Abraham and to his descendants? No. It was given to Abraham and to his seed, as in one. Much, much of our translations, in fact, most of the translations, if you go back to Genesis, always uses the word, and I will multiply and bless your descendants. The word descendants is wrong. It's actually the word seed or zera in the Hebrew. So it is mistranslated consistently as descendants. It is not descendants. How do we know that? Paul talks about it. He said, is it to the descendants? No. It was the promise was made by God to not to his Abraham's descendants. It was made by God to his seed. Which seed? Paul talks about it. See, Paul, who can be a better ex, uh, scripture? Uh, what do you call it? Expositor? Expositor of the scripture than Paul. Paul said that promise was not to his descendants as of many descendants. In fact, King James, New King James, reads it as descendants. But if you hear the King James version, it will say seed. And the word seed is. Uh, in Strong's concordance, Strong's has these words. It is one, two, three, three, or something. It's a consistent thing. Zero, 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 zero. Blessing to the seed. Promise to the seed. I want you to get this. So the promise that Abraham got was not for his descendants. It was to the seed. Which seed? Somebody coming down in Jesus and Abraham's loins, who now Paul identifies saying is Christ. The promise was made to Jesus Christ. Okay? And he says one more thing. There is a 
same covenant that came along 430 years later, which was the covenant of the law and the Moses law. And he says that law cannot. And he's, make, he's making very affirmative. He's saying that law cannot nullify the original promise. Do you, see, do, you, do you get that? The law of Moses cannot nullify the law of blessing in Abraham. Okay, and then the final thing. For the inheritance is of the, is of the law, but it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. God gave to Abraham a promise that you will be blessed and you get all the rewards of my promise. And the law, whatever the law says in the meantime will not affect that promise. Is that good news? It's good news. I'll tell you why it's good news. There's a reason to it. Okay. And finally we'll go to verses 19 to 25. Somebody else can read that. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. There you go. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for the one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which, had, which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Beautiful. Isn't that good verses? Beautiful. If you just read together as a group, I mean, you just get that, right? It says, why was the law given if the law could uh, give us eternal life? He says, no, 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 no. Paul says, let me explain to you. The law was given because you all guys are messing up. And this is like a, it's a jailhouse to keep you all, keep your, your criminals confined to not to be of harm to God's eternal purpose. He just wants to, the law was, is almost like God shutting out the mouth of Zechariah when, when he was prophesied that he would have a son, John the Baptist, right? And uh, they, because Zechariah did not believe, what did God say? You shall, not, you shall not speak anything because you do not believe what I say, but in the fulfillment of the time, the things will be fulfilled. So the law is like keeping you shut up with all your transgression. Just, just, just shut you up and so that you don't destroy yourself. But the purpose was not to bless you. The purpose of the law was not to bless you. Because you cannot be blessed because you have to keep everything of the law to be blessed. Okay. But before, law, before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Can you read the word under guard? Under guard. The law keeps you under guard by the law. Kept for, for the faith which will afterward will be revealed in Christ Jesus. So afterward the faith will come through Jesus and then we will be blessed. Now why am I reading all these tough passages? Because I want you to go back to the question that Paul asked in Galatians chapter 3 verses 3. Now I want you to uh, read that again. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Let me repeat that question. 
And this is so. This is a problem with all of us believers. And we run. We go through this. It's not a problem just with Israelites and the law. Having been having begun in the spirit, are you now trying to be justified, be made perfect by the flesh? How does that happen as a believer? I'll give you a simple example. How many of you all believe that Jesus Christ saved you when you accepted Jesus as a savior? How many of you all believe that here in this room? Right? Are you absolutely sure that you're saved? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're 100% sure? So why, why, why are you sure? It is written. Wow. I like that, John. It's written. I mean, did anybody manifest himself to you? Was there any signs that you anybody saw? Did you see any signs in your life proving that you are saved? Nothing. But why do you believe that you are saved? Because it is. It's written. And you believe God's word, right? So you begun in the spirit. Yes? You begun in the spirit. And that's the easy part. Everybody starts in the spirit, right? But then, nobody face life's challenges. Now, how do you handle those challenges? You start fighting it in the flesh. You start fighting in the flesh. Let me give you an example. You have a healing problem. So how do you fight that problem? You start to fight in the flesh. You start to fight in the flesh. If you have a, you have a, you have a job problem, what do you do with that? Yeah, because job is something that I can handle, right? Leave it to me, Lord. So you're trying to fight it in the flesh, okay? If you have a finance problem, what do you do? Lord, I understand mortgages. I understand all the paperwork. I know what is it. Um, I know what is leg. <laughs> I understand that, Lord, so I don't need spirit. I can fight it out in the flesh. I can win it in the flesh. So allow me to do that. I understand what you're saying. So... Having begun in the spirit, now do you want to be made perfect in the flesh? Paul is asking a question and the answer to that is? The answer to that is you cannot be made perfect in the flesh. But we all attempt to make ourselves perfect in the flesh. We start in the spirit, but you want to be made perfect through the flesh. Now why is that? It's the same question that Paul is asking. Are you foolish? I mean, can't you get it? I mean, you cannot save a fly, but yet you believe that God saved you. But now when it comes to your day-to-day challenges, you don't want to believe in the Spirit. No. So, so, if you face a health challenge, your response in the Spirit would be what? Why? Why are you healed? Because it is written. How is it any different from that you are saved? It is not. But we seem to understand health better, right? Because we understand thing health better, we seem to control it. We understand, we, we, th- we think it, that we can we can get around, we can manage it. Oh, lots of work. We can manage our challenges. And and Paul asks a simple question. Having begun in the spirit, are you now trying to be made perfect by this flesh? And Jesus and throughout his ministry face this challenge. You know, Jesus came on the scene in Israel with what? What did he come on the scene with? He came with all the promises that God had promised him through Abraham. 
Man, when Jesus came on the shore, he was the promise that the world was waiting for. See, none of the descendants could live in that promise. Remember, there was a place where Jesus walked up to a woman in the synagogue on a Sabbath and asked, a wo the woman was bent over, correct? And Jesus and the, the Pharisees were sitting around there and they knew that Jesus was going to heal her. So they were looking at this as a trap. And Jesus walked up to the woman, did not heal her, turned around and asked them a question. Very powerful question. He says, isn't she, does, isn't she a woman who is the daughter of Abraham? Shouldn't she be loosened from the bondage that Satan has bound her? For these how many years? It was 40 years? 40 years? So he's making statements. He's making statements out here. He's saying, this woman, or daughter of Abraham, has no right to be bound by Satan. Correct? So she has to be loosened. So why was she not loosened before? So the, the, the so that validates the problem uh, the issue the quest the, the validates the statement that the promise that God had made was not to Abraham's seeds but to Abraham's seed. So when Jesus came, the promise appeared. So now she's qualified. She is a daughter of Abraham. He is the promise that has arrived, and he can loosen her, right? Because now he is walking with all the promise. You know that was a trick that the God did to bypass Satan's empire here on the world. He sowed the earth with promises all the time, all the time. And Satan kept telling, thinking that it was men who was going to fulfill it. So he kept killing people. So he kept killing Moses. He kept killing the prophets. Anytime a prophet would be powerful, you would go out and kill it. In fact, Jesus made the statements. How many of prophets have your Lord killed? Right? He said A to Z. <laughs> Do you remember that A to Z prophets? He said from Abel to Zechariah you killed everybody. <laughs> he killed Abel was the first prophet to Zechariah the last prophet. You killed everybody. A to Z you killed everybody. But he was not the people who were killing. It was Satan killing every prophet. Because every time somebody would come from the seed, he used to remember I heard of the seed and a prophecy long time back that somebody was going to give me a, a head crush. And I remember that. So any seed that comes from this descendant, I'm going to kill. I'm not going to wait. So but Jesus came on the scene and he, they tried to kill him. They tried to kill him as a child. But I'm saying is, he was out to kill the seed. But he could not know who was the seed. He didn't know who was the seed. Why do you think he was killing Moses when he was a baby? Because he thought he was the seed. In fact, Moses said, out of me, out of, out of you, God shall raise up a, a prophet just like me. Remember that prophecy? That prophecy was related to Jesus. And him you shall hear. Because he, they didn't listen to him. But him you shall hear. Well, I was reading the other day, there was a passage that was so powerful. You know, people talk about him. If only God could show up and talk to me, I will believe. God did show up in history once and talk. You know where? In Mount Sinai. He talked. He talked with all the brilliance that he always dreamed of. If God could only speak to me, I would believe. You know what is the response of people? People terrified. They were terrified. In fact, 
uh, English language does not give justice to the terror that was there on Mount Sinai. It was, in fact, you know, Moses could use words like torches and burning ovens and, you know, that doesn't give justification to the language, the picture that they saw. They were dread. They were, they were fearful. And they made, they made a, they made a plea to uh, Moses. They said, Moses, do not, do not ever, ever allow God to speak to us again. This was their words. And Moses talks about it in Deuteronomy towards the end. He said, because of that, God said, I will raise up a prophet like me under, uh, through you, but him you shall hear. Why? Because he will not speak with a thundering voice and lightning. He shall speak as an ordinary carpenter man speaks. And so when Jesus came on the scene, what happened? He didn't speak with thunder and lightning. Because they asked for it. They wanted, they don't want to hear God in power. I'm telling you, you don't want to hear God in power. You don't want to hear. You want to believe him when he's speaking to you in a, in a small voice. You don't want to hear God in power. Can you imagine if I ever heard God speak to you? Oh, do it! <laughs> Can you imagine God speaking to you? But God, can, God is a God of consuming fire. He speaks, he speaks like that. But he knows. He'll kill you with that voice. In fact, the only way Jesus kills all his enemies when he comes back is by what? You know? By his breath. <laughs> you know? By the sword that comes out of his mouth. You cannot stand his voice. You cannot stand his words. You, he, he doesn't have to do anything. He just has to speak. So you don't want, you want to see. In fact, God realized that and he said, I will send raise up a prophet. So he's in Jesus. Like one of us. And Jesus makes a statement. So powerful. He said, they, they played a dingree for you and you did not mourn. They, they played a they, they, they played a song for you and you did not dance. John, John the Baptist came preaching hell and brimstone. And they said, here's a demon. And Jesus came preaching goodness and mercy. And they still hear a demon. So, so Jesus said, what are you going to do? What do you want me to do? I mean, how do you, how do I want me to explain to you that the blessing of God? So, so the the point is, the promise was on Jesus, and God was making that promise in Abraham. I want you to go to this passage. Uh, the, Galatians chapter three verse six says, "And Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness." And righteousness. So the point is. Let's go back to Genesis and see. I want you to get this beautiful picture of how God makes that covenant. And uh, it, it's, it's fun. It's fun. You'll like it. I promise you. Uh, let's go to Genesis chapter uh, 15. Wow. And I want you to, as a group, you'll go through this passage. This is powerful. Man, it brings out a secret. What, what is really going on? This is, a, this is such a powerful passage. This is God's first covenant and he's trying, this is God's plan of redemption for the whole world. And the, remember, Jesus died so that the blessing of Abraham shall come upon the Gentiles, your Gentiles, and the blessing has now come upon us. So you and I want to know what this blessing is, right? Mm -hmm. Because having started in the spirit, we shall now not be made perfect in the flesh. We are now going to be made perfect in the spirit. So we want to have, we want to have walk in the same blessing. In fact, years, uh, I think many months, but about a year back, we took about a specific, a session called the blessing of Abraham and we would go back and 
you know, you can revisit the notes. If anybody wants, they can ask me. I can give you the notes. The blessing of Abraham. And we're not going to give you the blessing of Abraham first. But I want you to go to this passage together. Very powerful. Okay. Now, after these things, the word of God came to Abraham in a vision. Now, Abraham is a Gentile. I mean, he's, he's, he's just God. He's just come. He's just come. He's just knew God. And he just came here to this land. And he's just won this battle with... Uh, uh, of the five kings and verse uh, chapter 15 and after the, these things the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision said do not be afraid Abraham I am your shield your exceeding great reward and Abraham said Lord God what what will you give give me seeing I go childless and the hair of my house is Eliezer of Damascus and Abraham said look you have given me no offspring indeed one born in my house is my hair Behold, the word of the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your hair, but one who shall come from your body shall be your hair. And then God takes Abraham outside of his tent, outside, and said, Look now towards Abraham, towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to them, So shall your what seed be. Repeat, seed be. So your seed will be that. Mm. And what did Abraham do? Verse 6. Remember the passage we studied in Galatians? And he believed in the Lord and, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Very powerful. So all that Abraham did was, I believe Lord. I believe. I want you to get that picture. It's easy for us to believe a billion people right now. It's easy. Uh, but it was not easy for Abraham. In those days, whole nations would be a hundred thousand. There were never that many people. So when God takes Abraham out of the tent and looks at the sky, he's talking about the Milky Way out there. They're talking about a billion stars in our Milky Way itself. And plus the other galaxies put together. So he's talking about a, a billion, maybe 50 billion people, stars out there. And he's saying, you see that? Well, you don't have any seed right now, right? You don't have any child, right? But I want you to look up and see the stars. And I say, I'll tell you that so as so shall your descendants be. That's it. No explanation. No further details. How it's going to come about. Nothing. God says your descendants will be as many as this. Can you picture that? Abraham says what? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And the first time in the Bible, he's been a man has been accounted as... Righteous. He have, he have, there is no law. He did not obey. He did not do anything. He didn't do any acts. He didn't do any sacrifices. He did not do anything. But he believed God. Remember that. He believed God and God accounted to righteousness. Okay, I want you to keep going forward. Verse 6. And he believed in the Lord and God accounted to him for righteousness. And then the, then the Lord said to him, I am Lord who brought you out of all of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit. And he said, Lord God, and now Abraham is asking a question. Typical question that you and I as believers always ask when God gives us a promise. And God says, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So what is Abraham asking? Where is, my Where is the children? Where is the children? No, no, he's not asking about the children. What is he asking? Abraham is asking a very simple question. Lord God, how shall I know I will inherit it. Inherit what? The land. the land, the blessing, the covenant, the promise. He's asking a simple question. How do I know that I will 
inherited. So what's the question? I want, I'm sorry I'm pushing you all guys to answer that, but I want you to get this question because this is the problem that the enemy always fights you. He says, how are you, how are you so sure that it will happen? How, how are you so sure that it's going to come to pass? Same question that Abraham had that you as believers always have when you're walking in life. He said, how are you so sure that you will, you're going to be blessed? How are you sure that your business will prosper? How are you sure that you're going to be healed? How are you so sure that your, your marriage is going to survive? How are you so sure that your, uh, your, your parents are going to come to the Lord, know the Lord? How are you so sure that your children are not going to go away? How are you so sure? Because we know that it's there in the blessing of Abraham. All of this is available, correct? That you are blessed, you are prosperous, you are exalted, you are honored, you are... Everything is in the blessing. Now let me remember, it's in the blessing. Everything that you have need for life is in the blessing of Abraham. It's available for you. In fact, there was a fight over this blessing. How do we know that? Jacob fought for the blessing because he knew. So we know that the blessing is not biological. Wasn't Esau and Jacob both? Children of uh, Abraham, Isaac, wasn't they both children of Isaac? So why did Jacob have to fight for the blessing? Because he knew what Esau didn't know, that the blessing is not biological, it is spiritual. So it kept bypassing people, it bypassed Esau, it bypassed Ishmael. Wasn't Ishmael a child of Abraham? So why did as a descendant, was he? why was he not blessed? Because the blessing is not biological. The blessing is spiritual. That is why Jesus said, I say to you when he saw the faith of the centurion, what did he say to the Jews? He said, many shall come from east and west and sit at the table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Wow. So he's saying that the centurion and his ilk and his tribe and the Gentiles who have no biological resemblance or connection to the Jewish blood shall sit on the table with Abraham and partake of his blessing. Amen? Amen. Because why? Why is he? Because Gentiles are going to walk in into this blessing. And Jesus, in fact, John the Baptist said, you told the, the Pharisees, he said, you all think that you all are great because you are the children of Abraham? You know what? God can raise children from the stones to Abraham. So what is he talking about? He's talking there of biological children. He says, God, Abraham can have seed of innumerable as a million but that doesn't guarantee that the blessing will flow to them nor does it guarantee your salvation so what blessing is Abraham blessing Abraham's blessing is not biological I want you to get this in your head as a believer just because you start in the spirit doesn't mean that you can receive and live by the blessing of Abraham I'm making a very powerful statement and I'm, I know it is controversial. Just because you started in the spirit doesn't mean that you can avail of the blessing of Abraham. How can you avail of the blessing of Abraham? You have to contend for it. And how do you contend? Just like Abraham. You have to believe. It's not biological. As if I say, God does not have grandchildren. He only has children. You have to believe in that area of your life that you're in bondage yeah, that is the truth that's the truth and you're going to go through some powerful verses and this is so essential to your fundamental belief as a believer God, God goes on to make, make a very powerful visual picture that you have never seen in the Bible 
he picks up a picture from humankind and uses it to prove his point. So what is Abraham asking? Abraham, Abraham is asking a very powerful question. How do I know, Lord, that I'm going to inherit it? How do I know? You're seeing all this. You're showing me all the stars. I believe it. But how do I know? So God does not rebuke him because it's not unbelief. He's asking, Lord, show to me that it will happen. Show to me that it will happen. I know it will happen, but show it to me. How are, how are you going to prove it? And then what does what God say, Abraham? So did God come down with, uh, he actually do it? Or did he actually uh, do some fascinating signs and wonders? Did he do a miracle? No. He didn't do any miracle. Okay, but let's look at this, what's going on. He said to him, bring me a three-year heifer, a three-year male, a female goat, a three-year ram, a turtle dog, and a young pigeon. And he brought it all down to him and cut them in two, down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other. And he did not cut the birds into two. And then the vultures came down the carcasses. Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Because that's exactly what happens as a believer. When you do not have an assurance of the provision and the power of God in your life, when you're not sure, that is the time the enemy comes. And we studied that last time. You know, when did they, Satan come to Jesus in the temptations? After the 40 days of fast. When the fast had ended and the food had not appeared, when there seems a delay is when Satan comes and says, says this, are you sure you are the son of God? Because 40 days have passed, your fast is over, but the food is not here. So why don't you prove yourself that you are the son of God by turning this wood, stones into wood. See? Delay. When things don't come to be, when your time frame shows up is when the enemy speaks. I'm telling you, He'll always speak. He'll always speak when you are not sure that God will come through. And he will come with all the suggestions. But Jesus overcome that by saying, it is written. Correct? I don't see it. My 40-day fast is over. But the last word that I heard was, you are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Just because I heard that then, I'm going to believe it now. I don't see any signs of any miracles. I don't see any angels coming and ministering to me. But I believe I am a son of God. And uh, last time he studied this, Jesus himself was not 100% sure that he was a son of God. He had to learn it through obedience through the scripture. He did not come with some pre-packaged rite of faith that you and I don't have. He had to learn obedience and faith just as you and I had to walk in faith. That's why Philippians says that he laid aside his godliness and became and took a form of a servant and humbled himself. So remember, Jesus had to learn obedience, had to learn through the scripture that he is the son of God. Because when he came down to earth, he emptied himself of godliness, of his divinity, and came and lived as a man. But through the scriptures, he realized, I am the son of God. I can live. And remember the promises that God had sowed in the earth through the scriptures? What happened? 
this little, little boy Jesus walking around in Nazareth in the temples, started reading it and says, that is me, that is me, that is for me, that is for me. And he started believing it. And the first miracle happened only at the age of 30, correct? Till then there was no miracle because Jesus said this, uh, the water turning into wine was the first of the signs of the miracles. The Bible says it's the first. Why? Because he did not do anything. So there was no evidence of miracles for Jesus right through his ministry, early life, proving that he was the son of God, except what the word of God talked about him. So he lived by the word of God. Okay, that's aside. So he says, so the horror comes, the great darkness falls, and then God says to Abraham, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them for 400 years. He's talking about the bondage in Egypt. And also the nation when they shall serve, I will judge. Afterwards they will come out with great position so they will be blessed when they come out of Egypt. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and you shall be buried in a good old age. And in the fourth generation they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is still not complete. Now remember this. I don't know many of you all know this. When Abraham came to the land of Canaan, he lived in a tent. He did not have his house. You know why? You know why he lived in a tent? Because the land was still not given to him. But God told him, this land is yours. But you stay there. But he did not fight the Canaanites. He did not fight the Amorites. In fact, he allied with them and fought for them. Why? Because Jesus said, don't touch. God said, don't touch them. Because the iniquity of the Amorites are still not complete. They are still not sinful enough. I'm not going to give you the land yet. So he lived amongst them and prospered. But he believed that the land was his. Powerful, right? See, he had no evidence of the victory in terms of manifestation. But yet he believed because God said. We are talking about a level of faith that, that we, 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 I don't know whether we even come close to that. And he lived in tent throughout his life. But later on his descendants did occupy the land and they, they do to this day. Okay. Hello. Yeah. Did you answer the question, how shall I know that the... Come on. Come on. Good question. And then, and it came to pass when the sun came out. I want you to go to this verse. I want you to listen to this. And it came to pass, verse 17. And it came to pass when the sun went down. Now these are again God gives promises, correct? So there is no evidence on how... How will Abraham know that I will, he will inherit it? God has not answered that question. God gives even more promises. Okay? And then he says in verse 17, And it came to pass where the sun went down, it was dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those two pieces. On that same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying to this, more promises. So, how did God tell Abraham that he's going to inherit the land. Did you take the notes? <laughs> God covenanted. What was what was happening there? Remember the pieces that were cut and put on both sides? What was those? We know that. This was a type of covenant making exercise that the Chaldeans used that. A lot of uh, tribes used that. What they do is, when two kings, they are out in the battle, and they finish the battle, they are making peace. They each one has terms of covenant. But there is no guarantee that each one will keep the terms of covenant. So what they do is they cut pieces of animals, 
divide it into half one, put on each side, and both the kings will walk with hand in hand in the middle of the pieces. And say, and say this while they are doing it. They will say what? They will say, we covenant with one another that we will keep our terms of contract. Failing which, we, we let us be, let me be killed and divided into two pieces just like these animals. And while saying that, they will walk through it. Did you hear that? So here is two kings walking through the pieces, covenanting, saying that, it's like saying God promise, you know, my head promise and you know, mama promise and they, you know, we, we don't do all that right now, but, but that's, it's, it's like, they're swearing, they're saying, if we don't do, we will be cut aside just like these animals. So what is God doing out here? God is now telling Abraham, Abraham, how can you be sure that you're going to receive the blessing? I am going to make a covenant. And I'm going to walk through these pieces and I'm going to covenant. Interesting. So where, why is not Abraham walking in the midst of the pieces? He is sleeping. Abraham is... He can't keep it. Good thing. So who is God making a covenant with? Himself. Wow. God is making a covenant with himself. But God cannot make a covenant with himself. So who is he making covenant? Remember the promise is to whom? To Abraham? To his seed. So God is making a covenant with whom? He is making a covenant with Jesus. He is making a covenant with Jesus. He is saying, Jesus, I will bless you. I will make all your enemies under your feet. Through you all the nations will be blessed. I will, uh, your, 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 your descendants, I will bless. They will be healed. They will be delivered. They will be saved. And what? And God, who is walking? That's why you see two people, two images in the pieces. Who? The two things. What is what? One. Smoking oven. Smoking oven is not oven. It's furnace. It's a furnace. It's a furnace. The Hebrew word is a furnace. Okay? What's the next one? Morning lamp. It's not the lamp as in lamp. It's see the problem is they don't have any other words. It's a blazing flame. The same flame that it is between the creatures when Ezekiel saw his vision. It's the same flame that Jesus is in Revelation. It's the same flame. It is Jesus. You want a reference of the bird flaming this? It is Isaiah chapter 62 verses 1. You don't have to go there, but you can write it down. The lamp that burns. Jesus, God says, I will send a lamb that burns righteousness in the days. He's talking about Jesus. So Jesus and God walks through this uh, sacrifice covenant and he says, I will promise you. I promise you. And what does Abraham do? Does Abraham have any questions after this? No. Why? Abraham. What is Abraham's role in this whole thing? He believes. Huh? He believes. He believes. He believed, he believed, he believed. I want you to go to Galatians. Remember Galatians? I want you to go to Galatians. Remember we, we passed this passage. Galatians chapter. Verse 19, chapter 3, verse 19. What purpose does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. So God is making a promise to the seed. That is Jesus, right? Right? Yes? God's making a promise to his seed. He's covenanting with the seed. Correct? 
The seed that is Jesus. See, it's Jesus the Son, the human, right? God is making a covenant with Jesus the Son, the human being. The human being. He's covenanting with the man, but not Abraham. He's covenanting with Abraham's seed, Jesus. He's walking in the midst. Because this Jesus, this human being, can keep the terms of the contract. You see, Jesus can keep the terms because God could not find a man to keep the terms, right? So who is he going to walk between the carcasses? He's going to walk with a man, Jesus. So God walks with a man, Jesus, in the midst of the carcasses and says, Can you keep your covenant? Jesus says, I, sh I surely can. I surely can. No wonder Jesus on the garden of Gethsemane struggled. Correct? What was he remembering? He's remembering the covenant. Lord, you kept your covenant. I'm going to keep mine. I'm going to listen, Lord. I'm not going to... I'm going to walk this. I'm going to walk this. I'm going to walk this. I'm not going to break this covenant. If he had broken the covenant, there was no promise. Because the, the promise, remember this, the promise is subject to the covenant. If the covenant is broken, the promise is broken. The promise is subject to the covenant. So God's covenant with Jesus. Jesus never breaks it. God never breaks it. Amen? So what is Abraham's role? Abraham's role was? He's believing. Remember this. Galatians chapter 1. Verse 19. What purpose was the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed. Capital S. Seed. What? Seed. Capital S. If you look at it in uh, New King Jesus, it says seed as a not small seed. It's capital S. Jesus should come to whom the promise was made. So the promise was not to Abraham, it was to Jesus. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. But a mediator does not mediate for one. But God is one. Have you understood that, that verse? Verse 20. A mediator does not mediate only for one. Can you imagine a mediator? Does he mediate only for one person? If you have a mediator, does he mediate only for one person? The very fact, the name of a word mediator means he, he mediates between two. But God is one. Why is Paul saying that? So what is being mediated between? Between God and God. You see that? Mm -hmm. So who is mediating between God and God? It could be Moses or in this case, Abraham. He's mediating between God and God. Who? Which God and God? God the Father with God the Son. So God is one. But there's a mediation going on. And what is the mediation? Are you going to keep a covenant? So who is sitting on the sidelines and watching? Abraham. Abraham. Who is the mediation happening? Between God the Father and God the Son. Amen? Isn't that good? Remember, as a believer, your only job is to believe that God can do His job. Your only job is not to walk into the midst of the carcasses and say, I will keep the terms of my covenant. No! Your only job is to believe that God can keep His job. So your only job as a believer is what Abraham's job was. Lord, you promised God to, you promised to God that I will be blessed. That's a great deal. <laughs> I, I like that deal. You promised to Him that I am being blessed. Wow. I like that. I want that deal. I, I have nothing to do in this. Isn't it? Isn't it? Do you like that deal? 
God that I am delivered. God promised God that I will be prosperous. Why? I have nothing to do with this. It is God the Father promising God the Son that I am blessed. Which part of the deal you don't like? Which part of the deal you don't like? And when you now start walking in the midst of the carcasses, doing your flesh thing, oh, 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 the God, the God starts looking at it like, oh, foolish Galatians. <laughs> Having started in the spirit, why do you want to now start making perfect with your flesh? Oh, this is so powerful. Do you get this? This is, do you get this? So when, when the enemy comes and says, you are not worthy to receive, you should say, oh, tell me that again, tell me that again. <laughs> Which part of the deal do you not understand? God promised God that I am going to be delivered. What have I got to do with it? You sort it out with God. Do you get that? So your righteousness has nothing to do with your deliverance. Your righteousness has nothing to do with your victory. Your righteousness has nothing to do with anything. In fact, uh, Peter, walked in the temple in the Acts and he looked at the lame guy and he told them get up and walk and they, it was such a big ruckus and the Jews and the Pharisees and everybody came and saying how did you do it? He said don't be so amazed it is not by my Jerry you know that verse it was not that by, by my, my godliness and by my power that this man has been healed but it is by the name and the power of Jesus do you see that? So my godliness, I used to talk about Saint, Saint Peter, right? Saint Peter walks into the temple and says, it is not by my godliness or not by my, my power that you are delivered. It is by the name and faith in the name of Jesus. God promised God. Do you like that? God promised God. So anytime you face a struggle in your life, don't fight it with your flesh. Get out of it. Tell him God promised God that I will be blessed. What have I got to do? I, my job is to believe God. Which part of, and therefore God, uh, it says in Hebrews chapter 6. I want you to go back to Hebrews chapter 6. This is so powerful. Let's go back because it's since we are there. I want you to get, because this is, so, this is so essential to your faith walk as a believer. Get your flesh out of the way. Get your flesh. Say that I deserve to be blessed as Abraham. Abraham said, I deserve to be blessed. Not because of my righteousness. See, remember, it's not righteousness. God promised God. God promised God. God promised God. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11. What does it say? And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Does God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. That's it. 
verse 18 or verse 17. Thus God determined, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel. Now God is saying, it's exactly the same thing what we studied. God wants to make, make I, want you, I want you to get this in your spirit. God wants you to be so sure that the blessing of Abraham is for you. Do you hear that in your spirit? God wants you to be so sure that the blessing of Abraham is for you that he not only just promised, he, he what is it, more abundantly. See, God doesn't have to say two times. God doesn't have to say that I bless you and you doubt him. He doesn't have to. He's God, right? When he says a thing, it happens. But no, 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 no. He wants to make you so sure that you believe. He wants you to be so sure that you believe. And he said, I will not only give you a promise. That's number one. I will also swear. Wow. Now God, why did you all swear? Because you guys don't believe. I want to swear because I want. God promised by swearing. By two things. What are the two things? Number one? No, what is the first thing? Two things he promised. By two things he showed that his promise will never fail. What are the two things? Number one? Correct. The fact that it is God who is saying it and God is giving a promise. That is number one. Number two? What's number two that he assures you? He swears. My God. So in this case, you could as well be swearing by the Godhead. So it is the Godhead swears among each other, saying that we promise among each other that you will be blessed. So he says to prove to you more abundantly the promise. Correct? Why is it so critical? Because it's essential to everything in your life. Because having started in the spirit, you cannot walk in the flesh. So Jesus, God is saying this promise of Abraham is not just for you to be saved. It's for every area of your life. How, and you will say, Lord, but how can I be so sure? Hello? What do you want me to tell you that it is for you, for every area of your life? I will make you a promise and I will swear. Is that enough? It's enough for me. It's enough for me. Abraham believed it. We believe it. And God says, wow, you believe it, you're righteous. <laughs> I like that. You believe it, you're righteous. Why? Because your righteousness has only that much work. So the new work, the new work, the new work in the new covenant is what? Believe. Is there a verse for it? There is. Yes. Let's go back. I don't know, Ranjit knows that verse. I don't know, we talked about it in his father's memorial service. Huh? Yeah, I remember that day morning you spoke to your dad with that, right? Isn't it? Yeah, he did. I remember that. It's a very powerful verse. Okay, John chapter 6. I want you to go to that. See, this is powerful. I want you to get this because we, have, we come with a lot of traditional Christian traditions, um, new age traditions, and I don't know from what our backgrounds we come out from, but we have stuff in our life that we need to get rid of. I want you to read this verse. John chapter 6, verses 28 to 29. Somebody can read that? Then they said to him, What shall we do? that we may work the works of God. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you may believe in him whom he sent. Wow, look at it. He asked a very simple story. How do we work the works of God? How do we do the work? And Jesus said, This is the work. Believe in me. Same, same. The 
bird in the same. The bird in the same. He said, in fact, if you go back and read John chapter 6, he says, do not labor for the food that perishes. He's saying, if you want to labor in this one life, if you have to labor, you labor for what? You labor to believe. You do not labor for anything else. Because the, everything else is in the blessing. And your job, let me repeat, your only job is to believe that God can do his job. You get that? Your only job. So, but do you think life is easy? No, I, I'm not saying anything. I want you to get what the scripture says. Your only job is to believe that God can do his job. Let's come back to the thing. So Abraham got this promise. Correct? Very interesting. He got the promise. I want you to go to Genesis chapter chapter 16. Now this is just immediately after the promise, right? God covenants with Abraham chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had born him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid servant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, See, now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid, perhaps I may obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. And then 13 years later, Ishmael is growing up. And then God appears to uh, Abraham again. Verse chapter 17. And Abraham was 99 years old when God appeared to Abraham and said, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. I'll make my covenant between you and you'll multiply. Again, the same promises. You remember the promises is to Jesus. He's sowing it into the earth. Abraham fell on his faith. Face. God talked to him. God talked to him a lot of things and he made a covenant and he said, you're going to circumcise and you're going to set, set, up, set apart. And then God said in verse 15, and God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall no longer call her Sarai, but Sarah for her name. But I'll bless her and give her a son by her. And I will bless her and she'll be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. And Abraham fell on his face. And you talk about laughter, rolling on the floor laughter. R-O-F-L. No, there's R-O-F-L, right? Rolling rolling on the floor laughter. Hey, that came out from here, right? Rolling on the floor laughter. This is from here. God is cool. <laughs> it says, Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Man, that would be some humor, right? When a guy falls on his face and laughs. And what does he laugh about? Can a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah who is 99 bear a child? I don't know he was more laughing about his situation or Sarah's situation. <laughs> I'm going to leave it just like that. It's politically correct. <laughs> hey, Abraham goes on to have children even further, right? Amen. And he, he continues to laugh, continues to laugh, and then Abraham makes a statement. He says, Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. What a powerful verse. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. What happened? God had just covenanted with Abraham uh, and uh, covenanted and said that you'll be blessed, you'll multiply, your seed will be blessed. Everything is done, right? Verse 16. 
And Sarah Abraham so had born no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abraham, See, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Is that correct? Is that correct? Your lack, I won't make a statement that I want you to just marinate with it. I want you to just marinate with it. You know, don't fight it. Because <laughs> it is hard. Because you have to face what we face, you know. Your lack of faith, your lack of faith is no excuse to slur the character of God. The way you come back to a position to receive from God is not by changing the character of God. It is changing your character. You have to change. Sarah said, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Is it? Hello? Whose idea was it to multiply you and give you a seed? Is it, wasn't it the Lord's? Yes. Your lack of faith is no excuse to slur the character of God. No excuse. In any time. Whatever, however righteous a man be. Now remember, the righteousness has nothing to do with victory, correct? Yes. Right, nothing. So don't tell me that this man is righteous and that guy is righteous and this has happened but that has happened to him. I don't want to listen. God promised God that I be blessed. I don't want to listen to that. I believe God. I believe God who received the blessing. I don't want to listen to anybody else. So I, I don't see it happen but I'm not going to change the character of God. I'm not going to change it. I don't care how many aunties episodes you know or uncle's episodes you know or your lives your pastor's episodes you know but it's a pastor but he had this problem I don't care God promised God you have to determine in your heart why do you think God made that extra visual picture for you to believe because he knows the enemy is going to come with flesh and Hagar came Abraham listened to Hagar and Ishmael was born Ishmael will be born in times of depending on your flesh. He leaves it in your control. Your Ishmaels are prevalent. We have so much Ishmaels in our life. And what do we do with the Ishmaels? We justify it. And then what? All that Ishmael might live. All that Ishmael might live. Because now God bless my Ishmael. Because now God man, now I'm now stuck with an Ishmael. As well as you bless it. Remember, when Ishmael is fruitful, who is glorified? Flesh. When Isaac is blessed, who is glorified? Oh, God. Ishmael's name is means God hears your afflictions. Isaac means laughter. Ishmael was born sure. out of pain and affliction. Your flesh will always take you to a place of pain and affliction and you will have to somehow redeem it you have to fight it you have to bless it because he's your child he's your Ishmael right you have to bless it you cannot let it go but what do you do with your Ishmael your Ishmael will always crucify your Isaacs will always prosper because when you crucify your flesh there is nothing to glorify but when Isaacs are prospering in your life God is glorified when every time they see Isaac walking down the street, who do they praise? Abraham? Sarah? God? They're like, they laugh. Have you seen, have you seen a old couple with a young child? I have. <laughs> and, and you always laugh. There's nothing to laugh, but you always 
cry. Oh wow, that is so cute. You know, we I mean, like you always laugh. You always laugh because it always brings joy because it shows the impossibility of a situation, but God made it happen. Correct? God gives the glory. God is a jealous God. He always wants the glory in your life. And the prayer that you always bring, oh, that Ishmael might live, is not a good prayer. But God answered the prayer. Ishmael did prosper. But God made a statement. He said, and God replied to him. Verse, six, verse 18. And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, no. Sarah, your child, shall bear your son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. What covenant? What covenant? The blessing of Abraham will flow down to Isaac. And through Isaac, we will get the promise. We will get the promise. I, let me get you to brothers and sisters, you know. Having started in the spirit, don't get Ishmael's out in your flesh. Don't get Ishmael's out. If it's taking time, fine, let it take time. But wait for your Isaacs. Because when Isaacs come, you will praise God. Right? You always have a testimony. But when Ishmael is there, there's always, because you know, I did it, you know. I know God was in it, but you know, really telling, you know, it was my contacts. <laughs> it was my referral, it was that. No, 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 no. Remember, he will bring you to a land of affliction. In fact, the life of Ishmael is a is a powerful, it's a it's it's a sad life. It's a pitiful life. But God is able to redeem even that. Because remember, the blessing of Abraham is not biological, it is spiritual. So Ishmael can walk in that blessing. Like Esau can walk in that blessing. Like Jacob can walk in the blessing. Anybody can walk in this blessing because Gentiles are walking in this blessing. And what does this blessing incur? What is the demand of this blessing upon you? Is I believe. That's it. So all, all you want me to do is believe. Yes. But it is tough to believe. You know. Because there is so much of flesh in the way to believe. Because there is your experiences. The stuff that has happened to other people. You have always been learning. And you have to say no Lord. God promised God. And I believe. God promised God. And I believe. So therefore the new shift that is here with us as a believer is what? The shift from works to believe. The shift from works to believe. I know it is tough. So God is taking some of your guys and many of us out of our tents and saying and looking at the stars and saying, can you believe that you're going to prosper as, as much as that? The ministry is going to expand as much as that. And you say, yes Lord, I believe because you promised God. I believe because it's nothing to do with me but you're going to do it. See, when you start thinking of your limitations and your thing, you don't deserve it, number one. And plus, you don't have the ability. And then you say, how can I do it? Therefore, you know, you get stressed out. Every time you're anxious is because Ishmael is cropping up. You're, you're tempted to birth an Ishmael. Every time you're anxious, you're tempted to birth an Ishmael. Every time you're anxious. Therefore, God, Jesus always said, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. It's all part of the privilege of being the blessing of Abraham. Everything. In fact, you don't have food. Don't worry. He told the disciples, relax. Chill. You have got some bread. I'll multiply that. You don't have money to pay your taxes. I'll get the fish to give you the taxes. You don't have... In fact, Jesus makes a statement in this new shift. And I want you to go through it. Jesus, uh, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 9. Powerful verse. Powerful. 
Look at uh, there the fight that you see between the flesh and the spirit. Matthew chapter 9. Okay, verse 27. When Jesus departed from here, two blind men followed him, crying out to him, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Classic believer response to God. Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. We are the scum of the earth. We don't deserve anything. Have mercy. Deliver me from this pit, this trouble, this wife, this husband, this job, this blood, this all kinds of... Have mercy. Rectify the situation. Lord, have mercy. And when he had come to the house, the blind man said to him, and Jesus asked them a question. What is the question? Verse 28. What is the question? Do you believe that I can do this? The only work. It has nothing to do with mercy. It has nothing to do with what bad your situation is. It has everything to do with whether you believe that I can do it. Let me repeat the question. Do you believe that I can do it? And they said what? Yes, yes Lord. Was that tough? No. no. Because Jesus is here, the promise is given to him that he is going to open the blind eyes, correct? God promised God that my eyes will be opened. I believe it. I believe it. There's nothing to do with mercy. Where is mercy in this picture? Do you see mercy out here? Do you, do you see mercy here? I don't see mercy. I see belief. If he had said, no Lord, I don't believe that you are worthy enough to receive this miracle from you. God would have said, next please. Because <laughs> there was a line of people wanting deliverance. In fact, in Nazareth, that was the problem, right? Uh, do you believe that I can uh, heal you? Uh, Nazareth said, you are a carpenter's son. We know your father, your mother, your brothers, your sisters. So, it's okay, that's fine. Next, please. We went to the next town. And there, there was a lot of miracles. It has nothing to do with mercy. It has, because if it has nothing to do with mercy, it will, it, will, it will slur God of partiality. Correct? Why is he good to him and not to me? Why is he prospering him and not me? Oh, God has a divine plan to only bless him. Hello? Where do you get that? No, that's his season. That's, that's his season to be blessed. What? It's your season to always overcome. Always be blessed. Always walk in it. Because it was never about your godliness. It was always about his promise to himself. Amen? Amen. I want you to go to um, Mark chapter 5 verse 36. He told to Jairus, do not be afraid. Only? He doesn't say, don't do what God has not told you to do. If you have to believe, believe. If you have to believe, believe. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Mark chapter 9 verse 23. All things are possible to him who believes. So you have to believe that. I want you to go to yeah. I want you to go to Mark chapter nine. Very powerful passage. Very powerful. Mark chapter nine, verse twenty-three. Again, very beautiful example of where we where we struggle. Mark chapter nine, verse twenty-three. Okay. Classic prayer of a believer. There was this guy. His son was uh, demon possessed and was on the ground and you know struggling and you know and when it, something happens to a child. Uh, all your faith is wrong. And it's like, man, somebody just get this thing out, you know? When forget faith and man, anybody, any creature, anywhere, Benny in <laughs> oil, wine, everything, get everything, but get this thing out, you know? It's like desperate situation with this fa father. Okay, look at this. So uh, Jesus came and uh, 
the disciples could not do anything to it and then they brought it to Jesus and he asked the father how long has this been happening to him simple question simple answer he should have said from childhood but then he goes on <laughs> he goes on in verse 20 often he throws him into the fire and into the water to destroy him God Jesus never asked that all he asks is how long is this condition he can see that but what is the father trying to explain to Jesus what is he trying to explain he's saying let me explain to you how hopeless the situation is. You hear that? Do you hear that in your prayers with God? God, 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 God. It's not the regular prayer request, God. This is the one that needs serious intervention. This is the one that I really need you. I mean, you really have to come through for me because these are cancerous cells. You know, this is not an ordinary typhoid. It's not. It's not just headache. We are, we are talking about cancer. We are talking about a major relocation problem. We are talking about a major family problem. Relax, let me explain to you some more. It's almost like the disciples going to Jesus on the board and he's sleeping, right? In faith. Relax. He told the disciples, let us go to the other side. Okay? And the disciples go, there's a storm, disciples panic, they come down to Jesus and says, Wake up! Don't you care that we perish? So what are they saying? They're saying, Wake up! Can't you share the same faith that we have in the ability of these storms to kill us? And Jesus said, Oh, 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 oh hold it, hold, hold it. So what do you want me to believe? You want me to believe with you that this great storm that is afflicting us is going to destroy us. Yes, all Jesus had to do was believe in them. And that would be the end of the story of the Gospels. <laughs> the king and the people were both destroyed. <laughs> Thank God, Jesus got up and said, Relax, what's up with you? Do you have a faith? When you go to God, don't go to with these panic attacks and say, Lord, let me explain to you some more situation of how bad the situation is. I don't need to listen. Just answer my question. How long has it just been there? And then Jesus, and verse 23, and Jesus said to him, What? What did Jesus say to him? If you can believe, all things are possible to you, please. He puts it back onto him. He said, it is nothing about whether I have compassion on this guy. It has nothing to do with how bad the situation is. It has nothing to do whether I love you, brother. I love you. I love you and I love your son. And I hate to see Satan afflict him. I hate it as much as I, you hate it. And I, my heart burns for it. But I'm asking you a simple question. What? If you can believe, all things are possible because you see, I have the promise, but the promise is not going to be applicable to you until you say, God promised God that my child will be healed. Do you believe that? And the father says what? Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Wow, that's so beautiful. You see, at least if you don't have faith, tell God. Lord, I don't have faith to believe. At least be open to Him. Don't blame God. You know, God has a purpose in this phase of my life for my child to be sick so that He will teach me great lessons of patience and virtue and I'll be a testimony to the people around when they will be healed. Oh, 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 oh. In this whole thing, where is your part? It is nothing. See, don't slur God's character based on your lack of belief. Don't slur. At least go to God and say, Lord, I don't have faith. Help me unbelief. That's fine. God will work with that level of faith. 
In fact, God makes a very talk. Jesus makes a powerful statement about faith. He says, if you have faith as small as a possible, he said, I don't even need great faith to operate in your life. In fact, in fact, he said after the passage, and he makes a powerful statement, and you've never read it in this context of this. He said, if you have a servant that when you come back from home, he, you've given him for tending your sheep and taking care of your fields. If when you come home, do you call him and wipe his feet and say thank you? Do you? No. When you come back from home, you don't say, oh, you've been working so hard. No, no. You say, hey, so me. That's what Jesus said. He said, use your faith like that. Use your faith because your faith has nothing to do with your righteousness and with your ability. It has, it, it has to work because it has nothing to do with you. So he says, after all that you have done, you should go before God and say, you know, Lord, we are meritless servants. We have only done what it was our duty to do. What is he talking about? He's not talking about false humility. Because true faith has nothing for you to glorify in. Let me repeat. True faith has nothing for you to glorify in. If, if, true, if you have faith that boasts, that means it was not faith. It was Ishmael. You see Ishmael coming out. It's Ishmael because Ishmael has glory in, of Abraham's glory in it, right? If you say, you know what, brother, I have great faith in this, you know, and God came through. Oh, I can smell Ishmael somewhere around. I can hear him around. True faith has nothing for you to glory in. That's why Jesus says, when after you have done God's work in this world, you should come before him and say, Lord, we have only done what's our duty. Because we had nothing to do with it. Because it was all your faith. All my job was to believe. In fact, Jesus said, in the last day, many shall come to me and said, in your, in your name we prophesy. First, in your name we cast out demons. Two, in your name we... What's that? He healed the sick. Three, in your name there was one, one more. And he says, and yet I will tell him, I never knew you. Depart from me, who, you who practice lawlessness. I was... I, I always run into that passage and I skip. I don't want to handle that passage. It's too difficult for me. It's like, when God is telling me, after all the ministry that I've done, you, you will tell me that, uh, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The other day, God was telling me, I will go back and read the passage. What does it say? I said, Lord, it says this. He said, no, read it again. He said, what? I said, I read it. He said, what does it say? He said, in my name they did so. So he said, what is repeating out here? He said, in my name. Yes. So what? So it is in my name that is causing the prophecy. It is my name that is healing the sick. It is my name that is raising the dead. It is my name. What has he to glory in it? He has to glory whether he knows me or not. He has nothing to glory in his ministry. You see? It is my name that will heal. It is my name that will deliver. It has nothing to do. But will do you practice lawlessness? Are you away from God yourself? Your ministry is no excuse to your salvation. Amen? Your faith is nothing to boast on. All your life with God is your life with God. Do you believe God and do you practice lawlessness? You, you have a conversation with God, right? Do you believe God to be your savior? Oh, but I have great faith in the name of Jesus to Yes, yes. But that is nothing to do with your faith. It is the name of Jesus that caused the miracle. And it is the same name of Jesus for a believer it causes a miracle. So go back to Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Therefore he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles amongst you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of the faith? What's the answer? 
by the hearing of the faith. So he who supplies the spirit to you, and he who does miracles in your life, does he do it by your ability to work things? Or does he do it by, by hearing of faith? But the answer is by the hearing of the faith. So he says, then why do you who have started in the spirit, why do you want to be made perfect in the flesh? What do you want to do that? Beware of Ishmael's in your life. Beware of Ishmael's in your life. You know, Martha, and I'll close with this. Martha, uh, so Martha taking care of the dishes and all that, and she was encumbered about many things. And I almost, I, I, I imagine Priya saying, yeah, but ultimately somebody has to do the dishes. <laughs> I don't know why that voice comes in. I'm like, how do I counter that for Priya? <laughs> Which that's a valid question. Somebody has to do the dishes, correct? I mean, it's nice to say faith, 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 but somebody has to do that. You know? Did you ask that question, Priya? <laughs> no. So. so Jesus says a very powerful question. He says, Martha, 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 you are encumbered about many things. The Bible says she was distracted with much serving. How can you be distracted with much serving? Why? Remember the passage? You're distracted with much serving. So what's going on here? What's going on here? It's what's going on here. <coughs> She's working it out. She's working it out. She's working it out to provide provision for Jesus. What what was she needed? She was supposed to sit at the feet of the Almighty Son of God and receive from Him. What about food? Did I not say to you that the food is part of the blessing of Abraham? You mean food will appear? Yes, food will appear. How did the donkey appear for Jesus to walk in? How did the upper room appear for Jesus to have Passover in? How did the cross appear for Jesus to walk with? Uh, uh, Simon for Sirius came in. God always provided provision. But you mind, do you believe that in the provision of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham to receive from God? Yes? Or do you want to walk in the flesh? Or do you want to struggle around? Do you want to fuss around? Do you want to fuss around? He said, no, no, no. Relax. Mary has chosen the better part. What part? What part? Hey, I don't care whether there is food in the house. I don't care whether things are going upside down. The Son of Man is in the house. I'm going to sit out here. Whether things are bursting in the flames, I don't care. Because the Son of Man is here, and if He's here, and if it is well with Him, it's well with me. Correct? If He is happy being hungry, I'm happy being hungry. But I know He will not be hungry. Because where He is, there is always a feast. Where, where do you see Jesus lack hunger? Where? Nowhere. There's always abundance. All abundance. In fact, Jesus said, don't you worry about bread, buddies. Joel talked about it the other day in the church. He said, don't worry about bread. Bread is given. Don't worry. Don't worry about job. Yeah, don't worry about job, what you wear, what you eat, what you drink. Don't worry about it. Because it will be given to you. Why does God, why does the enemy keep you engaged in the flesh? Because of Martha. The Martha principle. Encumbered with much serving. Distracted with much serving. If he can keep you busy fighting for your daily needs, he will stop you from doing the works of God in this world. Amen? If he can keep you busy. But if you can start believing, Lord, as a blessing of Abraham, I'm blessed. I don't have to worry about my retirement. I don't have to worry because it will be provided. I will get it. 
I prosper in my health in every area of my life because God promised God that I will walk in the blessing of Abraham. And I'm not going to bring my righteousness in the way. It has nothing to do with your righteousness. Nothing. Nothing. And I mean, if, if this is one, one session that you, if, if, I could, if I could get in your spirit, it has nothing to do with you. Say, say with me. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with my righteousness. It has nothing to do with my godliness. It has nothing to do with how holy I am. It does, it does nothing to do with the, how, much, how much I labor. It has nothing to do with how much I strive. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with how much I believe. And therefore, Lord, I believe. I believe, Lord, God promised God that I am blessed. Do you like it? Praise God. Let's just pray. Father, we come with your throne of grace. So many out here, I have called them outside the tents, but they are afraid to even step out, says the Lord, because of the demands that they think that I will place on them. For am I a cruel Lord that I will call you to go to places that I don't want you to go? Am I a cruel Lord that will not provide for your need? When my son told his disciples that if they do not carry a knapsack and do not carry a purse and do not carry a sword, do not carry a garment, if they lack anything, they didn't lack anything, but I provided. Did I call you to live in poverty, says the Lord? I didn't. So why do you listen to the voice of the enemy that portrays me as a cruel taskmaster? For I did not come to destroy but to save. I did not come to be a burden to you, but I came to bless you. The only demand I make upon you, my children, is to believe me and my son. If only you would take the step to start believing me in the areas of your life, those bondages will fall off and the adversary will have nothing against you. For it is not about need, says the Lord. It is not about the intensity of your need, says the Lord. It's all about the intensity of your belief. If you start believing me for everything, all things are possible. If you say that is impossible, because it's because you have watched the world, says the Lord. You have watched the news too much, says the Lord. Believe me, because I have promised to myself that I will bring your enemies underneath your feet. So will you believe with me, says the Lord? For the days are short and the times are going to get dreary. But if you not lose faith and you will not you will have patience, you will inherit the promises in your generation, says the Lord. For I have a quick work to do in this land, and I will not resist and I will not cease till it is done. But you are my seed through which I will do that great work, says the Lord. But I want you to come out of your tents and look up and see the stars and see the work that I have for you, for it is glorious. But who has believed the work of the Lord, says the Lord? And who has believed my report, says the Lord? 
If only you believe, I will cause you to be a blessing. And about your wife, and about your life, and about your houses, and about your positions. I am a God that overflows with so much abundance that the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to me. But I shall call you to a work that only you can do, not the positions that you have. But I will bless you, says the Lord. When you start looking to me, you shall see the delight that flows out from my heart to you. And you will rejoice, says the Lord, in the times of fellowship that I will start having with you, says the Lord. For get away from the deception that the enemy spun around your life. For the things that surround you are not the things that are important, but the things that I'm calling you to. If only you would have faith, you will see the work that I will prosper. Father, we come before your throne of grace, O Jesus. But I pray that you will touch every couple out here, O Master. O Master, ignite their hearts like never before, Jesus, to do the works of God. To works of God, Lord, help me to wake up the next day saying, I can believe in God more than I believed yesterday. I can believe in Him for these things more than I ever did before. I can believe in God. I refuse to slur the character of God because of my unbelief. I refuse to slur God. I will bless you in your workplace, says the Lord. Lord, I see that Lord is telling you that you would be a great light in your workplace. You're going to explode like a torch out there in your workplace. Or just like the Philistines envied Isaac in his prosperity, the world will envy you in your prosperity, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Jensen, the Lord says that God has brought you to a good land of plentiful, and He will broaden your place and your tents, and He will expand you, and you shall be fruitful, and you will be blessed as a family, says the Lord in this land. Ben, the Lord says that the afflictions and the trials that you seem to have we shall hinder you no more. For the rest that is coming upon you is so close at hand. But I say to you, walk in it with great joy and great favor. For the, the Bible says, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. I say to you, look at me and rejoice. For your rest is at hand, says the Lord. Father, we praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we praise you, we worship you, we thank you, Lord, for your good God, O oh Master. Father, help us to trust you greater like we ever trusted before, O oh Master. Help us to believe in you, O oh Master. Let us, the world, saturate us. O oh Lord, if God has promised so much to God, why don't we read it more, O oh Master? Read the word more, O oh Master. Oh, we praise you, we worship you. 
Help us, O Lord, there's a spirit of thirst for the word of God like never before in this lifetime, O Jesus. Thirst, O Lord, for the word of God like never before in our lifetime, O Jesus. Let it be so, Master. Cause it to happen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you.